Welcome to Hillside Community Church's weekly podcast. We're glad that you've chosen to listen to this week's message and hope that it ministers to you today. Hillside's located in Keller, Texas, and if you would like to know more about us or to listen to previous recordings, please visit us at yourhillside.com. And now, this week's message. Yeah. So we're in a series on Proverbs called Feast of Famine, and uh, it's about becoming wise, uh, which we have defined as competently dealing with reality. And of course, you can't deal with reality if you don't know the God of reality. And so spiritually, um, that journey of becoming wisdom is an important part in that. And today, we're going to look at the subject of parenting, since it's a, it's a day of parenting, wise parenting, according to Proverbs. What does Proverbs say about wise parenting? Um, how many of you, let's just start with this, how many of you have less than four kids? Okay, so no matter what is said today, you should feel blessed when you leave. No matter what is said today, you should feel blessed when you leave. Uh, so here's what essentially Proverbs says, and we've got to define this because it's important. Um, what does it mean to parent in Proverbs? Okay, here's what it means. You're, turn, you're, you're turning a fool into a wise person. That's essentially what parenting is. Um, and when you do that, when, listen, no one's more out of touch with reality than your child. Okay? So we have to bring them in touch with reality. And when you do that, Proverbs says you do three things. You, you save that child from himself. And then you save yourself some heartache. And then you save society some heartache. So what, what happens in the home is infinitely important. Now, uh, while this is a critical task, and all of us would say, even as the videos, is a daunting task, it's such a de- um, demanding, uh, the, the idea that you're just, your job is to turn a fool into a wise person should bring a little relief in two areas as it relates to two things, I think. Uh, first is your goal, and second is guilt. There's a lot of guilt associated with parents. There's no parent that doesn't carry some. So the first thing as it relates to the goal, all right, is Proverbs would tell you, your job as a parent is not to raise a pro in anything. And your job as a parent is not to raise the CEO of the next Fortune 500 company. It's not your job. This is extremely important. You want a child who knows how to make wise decisions, who uses good judgment, who has values that guide his life or her life. Those are the things that matter the most. And you will parent differently than if you're trying to raise the next anything. All right? Don't make parenting any harder than it already is by changing the goal. We do that. Second thing is it relates to guilt. Because Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child, dedicate, literally dedicate a child. And the way he should go, when he's old, he won't depart from it. Of course, that's a general truth. Uh, but, it, but we all know that uh, good parents have kids who make poor decisions. 
And uh, when we think about that, uh, we need to realize that there's going to come a point, parents, when you've done what you can do, and it is the burden of your child to make good choices and to live with the consequences if he doesn't or she doesn't. Uh, there's an incredible proverb in chapter 7. It's, an, it's a parable all, all the way, the whole chapter, is of a father who's been killing himself to train his child, taught him everything that he needed to know. And yet he's looking out his window one night, and he watches his son go exactly where he shouldn't have gone, contact who he should not have contacted, and then ended up with dire consequences as a result. And the father's just standing behind the glass watching it. Because there will come a point when the burden of who your child becomes is on them. And it's not on you. And I want to say this to you. This is really important. If your child ends up old enough and grown up and making good choices, this is how you're supposed to feel according to Proverbs. Blessed. Not great. Don't ever praise yourself. Proverbs never does that. Proverbs never says ultimately it's because of you. Ultimately, God oversees the life of your child. You have a task in it. But you're not great because your child makes good decisions. I'll tell you what you are. You're blessed. And don't look at it any differently. You're blessed. So it's not going to be because of you either way. But you have a role to play. And it's an important one. I think Proverbs uh, teaches that wise parents dispense two things. They have two chief resources in their world, in their lives, in their arsenal that they need to pass on to their kids. And that is truth and pain. Truth and pain. Those are your two chief resources that your child needs. And we need to look at what they mean because when we talk about truth, we're talking about education, how you transfer your values to your child. And then how you discipline them if they don't do it. Okay? In the different stages of parenting. It looks different in all stages. But it is critical. Uh, All at the same time, (laughs) this is important, and I'm going to say it at the beginning. All the time trying to win the heart of your child at the same time. You're trying to win the heart of your child. Proverbs 23, 26 is my favorite proverb. Uh, In fact, I'm going to put them up here for you right now. Uh, He says in verse 26 there, Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways. What I want more than anything else is for my child to delight in my ways. So however you parent, however you dispense truth, and however you dispense pain, okay, while you're firm in those, your child needs to be able to look at you with delight in the way that you operate. Okay? That is... Absolutely critical. So with these two verses up there, a righteous man who walks in integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. So you can see modeling is everything. Modeling is everything in parenting. Not perfect modeling. And let me just tell you this. Your kids have a, have a built-in system where they don't need perfection, but they know the difference between real and hypocritical. You don't need to be perfect. Failure and perfection is not what your kids are looking for. It's real versus hypocritical. Okay, they're the best at it. Okay? That's what's the most important. So, while we're going to focus today on the discipline side, I want to just say this about the education side, is you're transferring values uh, in your home. Um, 
your home, according to Proverbs, and I'm not going to read all the text because we could be here all day, one through nine especially. You got a father, you got a father and a mother appealing to their son in uh, all these chapters. One, two, three, four. it's incredible. Chapter four, usually at the beginning. You got them appealing, you got a father who is, you could tell, passionate, heartfelt, um, doing everything he can to pass his values onto his kids. So the home is the basic, the home base for values. Nowhere else, home base is a home for values. Um, they got to be lived and breathed and passionately and creatively taught. And I did that a couple of different ways that I had to learn. Number one was through your everyday rituals. Uh, you got to have some regular routines, especially when they're little. Um, you know, your bedtimes and your, uh, your meal times and church times and different things like that, you take advantage of those moments because they're natural environments to pass on values. Uh, the second one are special meetings. We called them all the time. That sometimes there were family meetings, meetings, sometimes we took a trip. It could be anything, but you dedicated time. Okay, we would call these either weekly or bi-weekly. You know, we'd just call a family meeting and everybody get up to speed and pass on a value or whatever the case may be. Uh, the third one is life circumstances as they happen. One of the things that I wanted to do as dad, because I didn't have a dad through some of the major issues of my life early, was I wanted to help my kids be prepared for whatever their first was. First sleepover, first day of school, first in middle school, first prom, first dance, first anything. I wanted first party, first anything they did. I wanted to make sure that they knew what to expect in that and how to respond if they needed to. I just wanted them to be prepared. That's what you're doing as a parent, preparing them. And then finally, uh, I'd get these, I call them these heartfelt moments. Sometimes, you know, in my job especially, I encounter issues, people, things, problems. And when God speaks to me about, hey, you ought to pass that on to your kids. And we just did it. I have four of them for ages uh, 18 to 26. And whenever they're home, occasionally I'll have a heartfelt moment. I say, guys, come together. And this last week I called them into a room, sat them on the bed, and I pulled out the phone. And I just gave them, and I'll just tell you what I told them. I didn't tell the first service, but I'll tell you what I talked to them about. I talked to them about pornography, and I talked to them about driving and texting. It was a heartfelt moment I had to have with my kids. I said, this phone will kill you two ways. This phone will kill you. And it was just a heartfelt moment I needed to have. It was just welling up inside of me. I talked to the boys about pornography because I've seen it ruin too many people's lives. And... So, that's dad, that's me. Uh, that's how you do it. Yeah, that's all I can say about that. We'd go a long time. I could give you lots of stuff on that. That's education. That's the passing on of truth to your kids. The second thing is um, uh, discipline and pain. And we need to look at this. This is a topic that's really important. Uh, and here's the reason. There's three reasons why you need to apply pain in your child's life, discipline in your child's life. Okay, there's three reasons Proverbs gives. And here's the first one. Folly is bound up in the heart of, the child, uh, heart of a child. Now just read half of the verse for a second because that's all we need for this moment. This is telling you the location of foolishness. 
and it's in your child. And we get lured very easily uh, when, we, when we have children. They're very, very adorable. Children, there's nothing like a newborn. There's nothing like those first few months of everything that baby does, every look it has, every movement is just amazing, all right? Uh, the infant smell, oh, how many times have you eaten the feet of this child? All of the features are precious. It doesn't take very long. You get past it, and then you find wickedness. <laughs> you find wickedness and evil and depravity packaged in this beautiful. It's like the mythological sirens. They draw you in with the cuteness, and then they scare you with the evil that's inside. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you've got to be prepared for that. And this is a really important principle and truth, because parents, here's the thing how you approach parenting. Number one, you, you're, not, it's, you're not dealing with an amateur that you've got to turn into a pro on anything. And you're not dealing with a kid whose primary need is self-esteem, even though these things matter. You're not trying to give that kid everything I can do to make that kid feel great about himself. That's not the goal of parenting. And neither is uh, protecting them from every single thing that happens in the world. You have on your hands a fool that you have to help become wise. And a good parent knows, if I don't do anything right, i got to shape this kid's character or we're in big trouble because I can't protect him from everything. Um, now, you say, what does it mean to be a fool? Your child will believe from the beginning, from the get-go, that he needs no one to rule him, that he can do everything, and that he can do everything himself. He needs no authority. Do not tell me what to do, and I can do it myself. And by the way, those are the two lies you believe all your life. You believe those two lives forever. And to the degree that you have not, that you have learned the truth about those, you've become a mature adult. And you have the possibility of living a godly life. But we all deal with authority. And your children need to learn it early. Uh, that means that your child's biggest problem is not the world around him. It's him. It's her. Parents, you've got to... You've got to focus your parenting on that child. The problem is not out there. It's, in, it's, it's all bound up in that kid. So you can't protect them from every circumstance. You better hope they have the character to handle it when it rolls around. That's your job. It's not to keep them from trouble. It's teaching them what to do when they get in it. Um, it that's just the character development thing. And my kids, my kids, the more kids you have, the more creative ways you see sin produced in the life of a child. And so my kids, if you just imagine a line, this is the sort of the story, and it's always been true, and you can still see remnants of it in all of them uh, when, you, when you have a line. And uh, you have this line, and you say you can't cross the line, and one of them will say, you know, Dad, from this angle, I don't even see a line. If you stand over here, you can't see it. That was one. Another one I had was... Uh, uh, he'd be with his buddies, and he'd be, you know, two and a half miles past the line and didn't even know it because he was with his buddies. And, he, and he'd turn around, and you go, oh, Dad, I was with them. I didn't see it. We crossed the line, but I didn't know because I was having fun. And i say, yeah, 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 there was a line. Okay? But then the other one, the other one I have is, uh, 
He literally didn't see lines. He just didn't, he didn't know what they were. Uh, he was, oh, that's a line? Yeah, that was him. Oh, he's just totally shocked that there was ever a line. You could tell him a million times. Oh, yeah. Then the fourth one, uh, and, and this is not in order. I'm try, I tried to do it in a way where you didn't know who was who because then they're all going, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other one said, oh, is that the line? And then he just crossed it because he could. He just wanted to cross it. Just, oh, if that's the line, then I'm living on the other side of it. And that's what the four I had. Now, my son Nick sort of had, the, was the most sensitive to being raised in a preacher's kid's home. And we did a lot. We did everything we could to protect our kids as much as we could from being raised in a preacher's kid's home. But Nicky felt it early. I mean, Nicky early felt the pressure of that, and he expressed it. I mean, he, would, he was, I remember him really early coming in to Gail and I, really upset and saying, you know, it's a lot of pressure living in this house. Because my sin just seems bigger to everything, everybody. And I don't know what to do, but I'm going to sin a lot. <laughs> and that turned out to be prophetic. My son was a prophet. Yeah. So here's the thing about this simple point right here. Uh, don't underestimate the foolishness that's bound up in your child and the battle that you have to teach that child who the authority is in his life and how he relates to authority. Don't underestimate that. And don't be looking everywhere else but him or her. So... That's the first point. Very simple. We could go on. But here's the second one. Second one is um, the second reason why you need to discipline that child. Not only because the sin is in that child, but because his life is at stake. Listen to these verses. Discipline your child, for there is hope. But do not set your heart on causing his death. The one who spares his rod hates his child, but the one who loves his child is diligent in disciplining him. Do not withhold discipline from a child. Even if you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will deliver him from death. He said, what's going on here? How do you understand this proverb in our uh, typical culture? Let me just say this at the outset of this. Um, we've grown up in a culture, you know, where um, to do anything harmful to your kids, to have them experience any pain is the worst possible. Because we hate pain as parents, so we hate our kids to hurt because when they hurt, we hurt. And we don't want to hurt, so we don't want them to hurt. And what we have done is we have really done a disservice to our kids because they do not know how to handle pressure and pain and struggle and aggravation, and they need to learn how to deal with it. And they need to learn to deal with consequences. One of the best books I ever read was uh, Pain, The Gift Nobody Wants. And I'll take you to the crib of a family whose baby has uh, leprosy where they can't feel and they're chewing off the, the tips of their fingers because they can't feel pain or they're running on uh, gashes in their foot or broken ankles, literally running with bones protruding out because they can't feel pain. And listen to this man tell you 
parents begging for their children to be able to feel pain so that it don't cause more pain. Because there's a kind of pain that's worse than another kind of pain. And the pain you distribute in discipline is worse than the pain if you don't, because you're going to kill that child. You're going to ruin that child if he doesn't understand pain. Now, this is what Bruce Rocky says, he's probably the best commentator on Proverbs. He says, a failure to discipline a child is tantamount to participating in killing him. Psychologically healthy parents do not consciously desire to kill their children. But if they do not employ the God-given means of verbal reproof to prevent acts of folly and corporal punishment to prevent their repetition, they are in fact unwittingly party to the worst punishment, which is his death. And death is literal and figurative. Parents can literally put their kids in physical harm way, but they also can put them in spiritual harm way. Harm's way where they don't know the difference between right and wrong, and they can't give an account between the difference between what's wise and what's foolish, what's good judgment and what's poor judgment, those kinds of things. Um, so remember, parents, you're on a rescue mission. You're trying to rescue this child from himself. Okay? It's a, your home is a rehab for foolishness. So failure is going to be a big part of it. When we talk about discipline, I can remember that I, uh, the first time I had to, to spank one of my kids, one of, my, one of the boys was Anthony's. And I remember we drove home from church and I knew the whole way home this was going to be the big deal. And I got home and I sat him in my bedroom on my bed, looking out glass doors to our patio where I had a table. And I, he watched me from that seat through the glass uh, pull out my saw and my and, and wood and a tape measure and uh, sandpaper and a jigsaw that was given to me and I and I didn't make it pretty but he watched me make this paddle right here is an ugly thing and uh, the boys have hit it so many times it's amazing I can find it I mean they hit it uh, and I let him watch me make it and then when I was finished put everything away. I walked back into that room and I talked to him about what that's for and why he was about to get paddled. And we paddled him. And, you know, I know you're sitting, I th- as I was telling myself the story, I said, you're going to come across really sick if you tell that story. But then I thought to myself, the truth is it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. If you know Anthony, it wasn't enough. Uh, it wasn't enough. This should have been four inches thicker. I just didn't. Uh, A couple of things about the physical side, because there's a physical element to it, but I want to say a couple of things about it. Um, There's absolutely no room in Proverbs for anyone at any time in any person's life. You're the biggest fool if you abuse anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. Proverbs will call you, you just folly all over you if you abuse anyone in any way. So Proverbs is filled with people who learn how to control their emotions, especially in parenting. And I will tell you, parents, you're going to lose it the most when you, whenever you parent in anger, and you will do it sometimes, we all do, uh, it happens. Uh, but you will parent in anger, and whenever you're parenting in anger, I'm going to assure you right now, when you're, assur- when you're parenting in anger, you're not parenting in a godly way. You're thinking about yourself more than you are the character of that child. So just know that. If you fly off the handle, you'll do all the things parents shouldn't do. 
drag that kid, grab that kid. You might slap that kid. You'll pull on that kid. You'll speak condemning to that kid. You'll say ugly words to that kid. When you're doing that, you are not parenting well at all. You just need to know that. That's not how you shape character. So parents, I'm going to say this to you about discipline, this kind of discipline. It is rare. I used it for two things, willful disrespect or willful defiance, not for childish behavior. You don't get a spanking because you spilt milk or because you left your bike out in the rain or because you didn't put my hammer back in the thing. That's just immaturity. That's childish behavior. We're going to deal with that in a different way. So it's not a go-to thing. If, if, if physical is your go-to, that's a problem. That's going to be harsh and abuse. You don't do it all the time. I'm going to tell you what I tell parents. I'm going to tell you what I tell coaches. I'm going to tell you what I tell teachers in a classroom. You don't have to be the meanest teacher in the room to be the best teacher or the best, the meanest teacher or the meanest coach. Some of them think that being mean makes you the best. It doesn't. It's not the way it is with parenting. Not how you shape character. Um, It's for a short time. There comes a time when this is not the best way to discipline your kids. It's just walking in their room like I did with Mikey one day. I did this with Mikey. I walked in the room, and he was sleeping, and he was supposed to pick up dog crap, and he didn't. And I told him twice, and he knew it. He was sleeping on a Saturday morning. And I walked in his room, tiptoed. I could have been mean. I could have yanked him out of bed. There was a lot of ways to approach this. I know how my dad would have done it. And I just tiptoed in the room, unplugged his Xbox and everything. And I grabbed him, sneaking out of the room. And he woke up and he saw me. He saw me and he goes, Dad, what's up? And I go, oh, you didn't pick up the crap. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. So I'm going to have this for a few days. Okay, good night, good night. Go back to sleep, go back to sleep. You didn't have to be mean. You didn't have to be anything. He's laying there knowing there's no Xbox this weekend or whatever the case. That's painful. You don't have to be mean. You can be sweet. Shh, shh, go to sleep, go to sleep. You don't have to be mean. Um, so there ought to be a lot of things in your arsenal, by the way. It's not just wood. It could be metal. It could be sharp edges. It could be electricity. No, I'm just kidding. I'll tell you, there are times when you think, maybe electricity It's a really good thing. Uh, But in your, I don't know, time out. Take things away. Uh, There needs to be pain. One of my mentors used to make his son stand, uh, get on his knees with, you know, kind of sit up on his knees in a corner looking at the wall with his hands on his head because it just hurt his knees for a little while. It was, you know, it was better than a spanking. And you just got to sit there. You just got to, there has to be. And these are things that you do early because you can't do those things later. I mean, I got four boys that wouldn't let me do it now. You know what I'm saying? They'll gang up on me. I can't handle them for it. All right? You can't do that anymore. You don't do it forever. But I will tell you this. I'm just going to say this to you. The only thing worse than an unruly kid is a helpless or apathetic parent. Every single one of us in this room know your kid's rotten. We already know it. So when he runs off or mouths off or does something he shouldn't do, don't be shocked by that. We're not shocked by it. I'll tell you what we're shocked by. You standing there watching it and not doing anything about it. That's it. We get it. That's what kids do. It's what parents do. 
That's the most important thing. Uh, and I'll tell you something else that ought to be um, in your, well, let me say this to you first, because this is one of those ones that uh, is a discipline option. I don't know if you want to use it. Um, <laughs> it looks like it's going to be effective. You know what I'm saying? It looks like it's going to be effective. But here's one that a dad in the NBA used. Uh, in the NBA, you know, you might have seen this here recently. This dad held up this sign at a game. You know, Thomas, can you hear me now? Student, then athlete, son. In that order. Love dad. All right. And then he held up this one at another one. Thomas, get your grades back up. And next time you'll be here, love dad. This is greatness right here. Now listen, let me tell you, let me just say two things about this thing right here. The first thing, I applaud the dad for not taking the kid to the game and holding to the standard. But I don't applaud him for flaunting it on television. See, because now I'm, now I'm trying to make Thomas look bad. That's not my job as a parent. Be very careful of that. Remember, parents, this is not about you. This is not about you. Don't make it about you. This dad's making it about him. He's making a good thing that he did about him. Don't make parenting about you. You will screw parenting up whenever you're angry and do it and whenever you make it about you. And I'll tell you how you make it about you. I wish we had time, but you know, like for instance, they don't take out the trash. They don't take out the trash. You know, some parents would, would do one of two things, a few things. Here's how you do this improperly. You're gonna go, you didn't take out the trash. Do you know how important trash is? And you make it about trash. Trash is the most important thing going on in a person's house. If we don't make that truck, that truck comes by, we don't have it. You just go crazy over the fact that trash didn't go out. And everything's about trash. That kid grows up thinking trash is the most important thing in the world. And you made it about the trash. Or you make it about you. Do you know this is my house? That's my trash. And you make it about you. That's my trash. Can you... It's my rules. It's the way I do things. You take care of that. You made it about you. Or you make it about him. You rotten no good. You can't come through in anything. You've just made it about him now instead of the behavior. All I'm trying to do is get that kid to take out the trash. How can I do that better next time without making it all about everything else except him? That's what I'm saying. It's the character and the behavior of the kid. So, I'll tell you something else that's in your arsenal, and it better be in your arsenal, and that is grace. You just, just the way you would early on in the years of a child, you might have to spank. You want to apply grace in the same kinds of ways, strategically and timely. There's nothing like grace. I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, I'll tell you what transforms us as adults is God's grace. It's his grace. And so uh, you apply grace. I remember Anthony sitting in the car one day, and you know, this is when you apply grace, is when they know they're dead meat. Okay, they got to know they're dead meat. And if they know they're dead meat, ah, <laughs> you got them. You can bring out grace, and it's one of the greatest things in the world. You'd be dri- I was driving down the car, and Anthony knew he was dead meat. I could see the life. I, his, his head was leaning against the window because he knew where we were headed. I mean, I had literally wa- he watched me build one of these things. So he knows where he was headed. And we're driving in the car, and I just knew it. I could feel it welling up in me. This is a moment to teach my son about grace. And I was telling him what he did. I wanted to make sure he understood what he did and that this can't happen again. And I said, son, but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to give you grace. What's grace, Dad? I'm going to give you something you don't deserve. And I remember him start to cry and go, Dad, I love grace. That's what he said. I love grace. I said, me too, buddy. Me too. Grace. Uh, so, final thing, and we'll do this really fast, is the uh, third thing. First reason why you need to discipline your kid is because foolishness is bound up in his heart. It's the only way to shape his character. And the second thing is uh, that pain, you gotta, you're saving his life when you do it. And then thirdly, um, you'll save yourself some heartache. And it's not always true. I mean, our kids make poor decisions. That happens. Uh, and there's, again, at some point, there's not a whole lot you can do even if you've done everything you can. But look what it says, a rod and reproof impart wisdom, but a child who's unrestrained brings shame or, or literally left to himself brings shame to his mother. And then uh, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you when your kids make good decisions, they get a little bit older and they're 16 and older and the decisions they make are really important and they make good ones, uh, you'll sleep better and you'll, be, you'll have all kind of delight as a parent when your kid makes a wise choice. Kids, you need to know that. You make a wise choice, you bring all kinds of relief to your kids, to your parents. And there's all kind of relief. And so I just want to say, uh, um, that's not the goal of parenting. It's just a byproduct of parenting. So I'll just say this to you. Uh, your parenting is the most destructive when you get your identity from your kids. And every one of us will do this every now and then. We'll make our kids more than they should be to us. Your kids were not born to make you happy. Your kids were not born to make people respect you. Your kids were, that's not why they're here. To give you a reason to wake up in the morning, that's not why they're here. If you make them everything, because somehow you have a self-worth issue and an identity issue, and you have placed it upon them, you'll put a burden on them they'll never bear. And I'm going to tell you, you try to make your kids save you, and you're in trouble. There's only one person who can save you, and that is God. And I'm going to tell you how the gospel helps you be a better parent. What Jesus did for you. Because what Jesus did for you, and here's the truth. When Jesus came onto this planet, and when he got baptized and started his ministry, there was a voice came out of heaven and said to him, My son, in whom I'm well pleased, in whom I take great delight, God said. And I'll tell you what Jesus was willing to do for every single one of us. A perfect kid was willing to, for a time, lose his father's delight and go to a cross and take our sin, which he didn't deserve. A perfect son was willing to take our punishment. And that does two things. Not only did that save us, but it made, gave me a whole new identity. Turn this fool into something completely different. So I don't have to find my identity in my kids. And whenever I find myself doing it, and you will do that, you got to run back to the gospel and realize, I find my identity in Christ and in him alone. Not in my kids. My job's to shape their character. 
Their job is not to bolster up my life. And the gospel is what gives, saves you and gives you a whole new identity. So you don't have to have it in your kids. Would you bow your heads? Father, we come before you and we thank you for the wisdom that your scriptures teach us. We thank you for what you have done for us. Because there is no wisdom in not knowing you and knowing the way that you love us as your children. And what you are willing to do for us. And because you did it, Lord, because you gave us grace, because you filled our lives with grace, we want so desperately to live wisely for you. And I pray, Lord, that every home, every home in this church, represented by this church, be godly homes that, that values would just literally exude from the walls of that home. And that grace would fill it. The kids would feel loved and delighted in and shaped all at the same time. And that parents would separate themselves from their children in terms of identity. Find their identity in you so that they can properly handle and raise their kids. And because of your grace, we can do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.